This is Marshall Davis. Today on the Tao of Christ, I continue my new series of broadcasts entitled The New Pilgrim's Progress, patterned after John Bunyan's 17th century classic, The Pilgrim's Progress. It is an allegorical pilgrimage through the landscape of 21st century American spirituality. Part 8. The Four Horsemen They found a place to sleep in a barn a couple of miles outside of town. An elderly couple who lived in the nearby cottage discovered them early the next morning while doing their chores. They fed them a hearty breakfast of pancakes and fresh eggs and saw them on their way. Pilgrim commented to Truthful that these folks were the most Christian people they had met on the way. They never once mentioned our Lord or the book, but their actions and attitude proclaimed the gospel more powerfully than words, observed Truthful. They walked for several miles without seeing another soul. Each hour they came closer to a mountain range, which the elderly couple had identified as the Mystic Mountains. A cloud of dust was visible in the distance and began drawing closer. It looked like a dust devil or sandstorm, but it seemed to follow the road. A rumbling noise accompanied it, and the earth trembled. Take cover, Pilgrim yelled over the din. While coughing and putting handkerchiefs over their hands and eyes, they took refuge behind a large boulder by the side of the road. They waited for the unnatural storm to pass, but it did not. It simply stopped. The dust settled, and they heard the sound of horses snorting. They looked around the side of the boulder to find four horses and riders. The horses were white, sorrel, black, and gray. The riders did not look like any equestrians a pilgrim had ever seen. They did not wear English breeches and coats, nor did they wear American jeans or cowboy boots. They were dressed in tweed coats with elbow patches, as if they had just stepped from a university classroom. When the rider of the white horse spoke, it was with an Oxford accent. Greetings, travelers. We bring you warning that you are in grave danger. That's why we hid behind this border. The man looked annoyed. No, we are not the danger. We are warning you of the danger. Turn around immediately and return to your homes. We cannot do that. We are following the way to the celestial city. It is true that we have encountered many dangers, toils, and snares, but grace has brought us safe thus far. We are confident that grace will lead us to our heavenly home. That is precisely the problem, the Oxfordian replied. There is no celestial home. It is a delusion. We disagree. We have on good authority that the land of light lies just beyond those mountains and across a mighty river. We have been beyond those mountains, coughed the man on the ashen mare. I have crossed the mountains and stood on the bank of the river of which you speak. There is nothing beyond the river but death. The other two nodded in agreement. Pilgrim and Truthful looked at each other with concern. May we ask who you are, so we know whether to trust your words? We are known as the four horsemen of the new atheism. We travel this road warning people about religion. It poisons everything. You are atheists? New atheists. What makes you different than the old atheists, whose books I have read? I'm glad to hear that you have read some of our colleagues' books. That means you have an open mind. To answer your question, what makes us different is our attitude. Atheists of long ago were too timid and too respectful of falsehood. We, on the other hand, do not suffer fools gladly. 
Theism has caused too much harm in the world to go unchallenged any longer. It has led billions of people to commit countless crimes against humanity. Furthermore, it has inspired many pilgrims, like yourselves, to travel this way to their death. We want to put an end to this evil. So you say there is no Lord. That is correct. Can you prove it? asked Pilgrim. Of course not. No one can prove that something does not exist. You cannot prove that there is not a celestial teapot orbiting the sun somewhere between Earth and Mars. You cannot prove there is no tooth fairy or Santa Claus. You cannot prove that the flying spaghetti monster did not create the world with his newly appendages. You cannot prove a negative. That is true, said Truthful thoughtfully. But there is no evidence that such a being as your Lord actually exists, added the horseman on the sorrel. We have faith he does, replied Pilgrim. Faith, scoffed the first horseman. Faith is nothing more than believing in something without evidence, or even in spite of contrary evidence. Surely a good God must exist, even though we do not have sufficient evidence to prove his existence. There is a reason God does not provide proof of his existence. If we had proof, then we would not be free to believe. We wouldn't need faith. God hides himself in order to preserve our freedom to believe in him. He does not want robots. He wants followers with free will. You mean he wants slaves. That's what the Apostle Paul called himself and his fellow Christians, slaves of Christ. Furthermore, what makes you think that God is good? That is what my pastor taught me in our church in the Shadowlands. He used to say repeatedly that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. On the contrary, God is not good. The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction, jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser, a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. That seems pretty harsh. Harsh? Not at all. It is accurate. Have you read your book? Cover to cover, stated the pilgrim. Did not your God personally kill or order the killing of millions of people according to the Bible? Well, yes, he did. But he had good reasons. Furthermore, he had the right to do it because he's God. Might makes right. That is God's excuse for committing crimes against humanity. Because God is almighty, he can do whatever he wants, and it is automatically called good whether it is murdering everyone on earth with a flood or ordering his kings to commit genocide. Pilgrim had never thought about it that way. Well, what about the New Testament? The God of the New Testament is a God of unconditional love. It says God is love. Well, what about the book of Revelation? That's in the New Testament. And it describes horrendous things that God is planning to do to people on earth. And what about hell? That is a New Testament doctrine. It is not found in the Old Testament. It was introduced by Jesus himself. Hell is the eternal torture of billions of people. There is no way that hell can be construed as love. It is evil. If God were real, he would be convicted of war crimes. 
Pilgrim winced. So you say there is no good God? There is not one speck of evidence suggesting there is such a being. What about this marvelous, intricate universe that we live in? Surely the wonder of the cosmos requires a creator. No, it doesn't. Why not? Something must have started this universe going. Everything has a cause. Even scientists admit that the universe began with the Big Bang over 13 billion years ago. Someone must have started it all going. That first cause is God. Well, if everything has a cause, then who or what caused God? Oh, God doesn't have a cause. He is the first cause. If God didn't have a cause, then you have contradicted your statement that everything has a cause. If you can imagine a God that doesn't need a cause, why not just postulate that the universe doesn't need a cause? Why add a God into the equation? But life is too beautiful, intricate, and complicated to have originated by chance. There must be an intelligent designer behind it all. No, there doesn't. Gradual changes over billions of years can account for the evolution of life on this planet. What about all the good that has been done in the name of God over the centuries? Well, what about all the evil that has been done in the name of God over the centuries? Do you really want to open that can of worms? Pilgrim and Truthful were silent. I still believe in God, mumbled Pilgrim to Truthful. Me too. But I also want to believe only what is true. If these horsemen are right, if what they say is true, I must believe what is true regardless of the consequences. I will have to think about this some more. Having felt like they had fulfilled their purpose in bringing a ray of rationality into the dark minds of some lost souls, the Brights, that's what they called themselves, rode off to warn other pilgrims of the folly of their quest. Pilgrim and Truthful continued on their way, but their pace was noticeably less spirited than before. As they traveled along the way, the road became noticeably rougher. The way here seemed like a dry riverbed, filled with rocks and boulders. Often they had to use both hands to clamber over rocks. More than once the travelers stumbled and fell. They bruised their legs and twisted their ankles on the rocks. I knew the way was going to be straight and narrow, but I did not know it was going to be stony and rocky, Truthful complained. I can hardly walk on this path. If it truly is a path, are you sure we did not accidentally stray from the way a while back? Perhaps the four horsemen distracted us and we got off the path by accident. Pilgrim agreed that the road was much harder than he expected. Look over there. There's a grassy path running parallel to this road, if you can call it that. And there is a sign. Let's go see what it says. So they hobbled over to inspect the sign. It read, Detour. The way must have been washed out in a storm, and this detour built to help pilgrims. It certainly looks a hell of a lot, I mean, a heck of a lot better. Truthful was not convinced. I am not so sure. It may be a dead end or lead to an entirely different destination. But look how it runs beside the rocky road, for as far as we can see. Let's give it a try. If it deviates too far from the way, then we can always return. In the meantime, it will give our feet and shins a break, and we will make much better time. 
So they traveled along the grassy way. The further they went, the more glad they were that they had made this choice. After a while, they noticed a fellow traveler up ahead of them. Wait up, they called. The figure did exactly that. His name, they found out, was Optimist. Do you know where this detour leads? To the heavenly city, of course. Where else would it lead? You see, Pilgrim smirked a truthful. I was right. I'm so glad we took this detour. And I am very grateful to the Lord for showing it to us. They walked all day. As dark began to fall, Truthful stopped. Hey, where's the way? I don't see it any longer. It was over there to the right not long ago. How long ago did you last see it? Well, I'm not sure. I was enjoying this path and our fellowship with Optimus so much that I did not pay attention to the way. Stop worrying, you two, Optimist interjected. It is a detour after all. I am sure that this path will rejoin the main road further on. He strode ahead of them while Pilgrim and Truthful stopped to discuss the pros and cons of continuing or going back the way they came. Soon Optimist was out of sight. They decided to continue on the grassy path until nightfall, then make camp. They would look for the way in the morning. The sun set and the darkness deepened. The two were about to make camp when they heard a scream up ahead. That sounds like Optimist. They made their way carefully in the dark until the path abruptly ended at the edge of a cliff. If we had been walking normally, we would have fallen right in. That must be what happened to Optimist. They called down into the darkness and listened for a response. There was nothing but silence. They dropped a rock into the abyss and waited for the sound of it hitting the bottom. It took several seconds. Pilgrim moaned. If he fell down there, he's gone. No one could have survived this drop. So what do we do now? We do not even know where we are. If only we had stayed on the way. Pilgrim agreed. It's all my fault. But who could have known that this detour would have led us this far astray? Just then it began to rain, accompanied by lightning and thunder. They slowly and carefully retraced their steps, but the path became a torrent of water. They were forced to leave the detour and seek higher ground with only flashes of lightning to guide their way. After a while, they saw a small hunting cabin and took shelter there. They decided to leave at the break of dawn, and they soon fell asleep. It so happened that the cabin belonged to a man called the Dark Knight, who lived in the nearby castle of Despair with his wife, Asidia. The Dark Knight had the habit of walking his property every morning at dawn. When he came to his hunting cabin, he noticed that the door had been opened recently. He entered and saw the two men. He woke them with a shout, "'What are you doing trespassing on my property?' They explained to him that they were pilgrims on the way." and that they had become lost in the storm and dark. They had taken refuge in the cabin, believing that the owner would not begrudge them refuge from the storm. We did not touch a thing. We only slept on the floor. We did not even light a fire, even though we were cold and wet. I see. Come with me. They followed, not knowing what was in store for them, but feeling obliged to accompany the knight because they had wronged him. 
When they reached his castle, he called two of his guards, Desolation and Abandonment, and ordered them to arrest the two men and put them into the dungeon. On the way, they passed a cavern containing hundreds of skulls and bones. Whose are these? they asked. The bones of pilgrims who trespassed on our master's land, they responded. They were chained to the wall in the deepest cell and left in the dark. The darkness was so deep and dark that they could not see each other. No sunlight leaked into their cell. No noise reached them from the outside. There was only the occasional rattle of the chains that bound them. Time passed without any way to measure it. Paul and Silas sang and prayed when they were in the prison of Philippi, and the Lord delivered them, said Truthful. So they prayed. They sang songs and hymns of praise to God. Days passed without food or water. They grew weary of praying. It seemed to have no effect. They despaired and wished to die. They even thought of killing themselves, but there was no way to do it. I think the dark night has forgotten about us. I also fear that the Lord himself has abandoned us, perhaps as punishment for forsaking the way. This prison is a living hell, moaned Truthful. Pilgrim prayed to the Lord in his distress and groans too deep for words. Then words tumbled forth, disjointed and full of anguish. I am in the darkness. Lord my God, who am I that you should forsake me? I am the child of your love, yet now I have become as the most hated one. The one you have thrown away is unwanted, unloved. I call, I cling, I want, and there is no one to answer. When I try to raise my thoughts to heaven, there is such convicting emptiness that those very thoughts return like sharp knives and hurt my very soul. Love, the word, it brings nothing. I am told God lives in me, and yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. Truthful responded with a lament of his own. I feel a terrible emptiness, a feeling of the absence of God. They say people in hell suffer eternal pain because of the loss of God. In my soul, I feel this terrible pain of loss, of God not wanting me, of God not being God, of God not really existing. That terrible longing keeps growing, and I feel as if something will break in me one day. Heaven from every side is closed. I feel like refusing God. Pray for me that I may not turn a Judas to Jesus in this painful darkness. The two travelers prayed and prayed. Three days and three nights passed, but it seemed like an eternity. They recited the words of Job. Why is light given to him who is in misery and life to the bitter in soul, who longs for death but it comes not, and dig for it more than for hidden treasures, who rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they find the grave. Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in? For my sighing comes instead of my bread, and my groanings are poured out like water. For the thing that I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befalls me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes." They prayed the words of the psalmist and of their Lord, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Finally, a pinpoint of light appeared in the darkness. Do you see that? asked Truthful. 
It's nothing but a trick of the eyes. We have been too long in darkness. No, there's a small crack between the stones behind you. It only was revealed when you moved slightly. Pilgrim twisted and found the crack between the foundation stones of the dungeon. He dug at the crevice until his fingernails broke and blood began to flow from his fingers, making it difficult to dig. Finally, he touched metal. I think it may be a key. He dug for another hour until he could grasp the key and remove it. This must have been hidden by a previous prisoner. He placed the key in his manacles and they fell open, the same with the shackles on his feet. He quickly freed Truthful. They went to the cell door and found it unlocked. I guess they never thought anyone could escape from the chain, so they did not bother to lock the door, Truthful speculated. Within minutes they were out of the dungeon and into the light. Fortunately for them, it was the beginning of dawn, otherwise the brightness of the sun would have blinded them. As quickly as they could, they found their way back to the hut and then to the grassy path. In the distance, they heard the roar of the dark night, who had discovered that the door to his dungeon was open and his prisoners had escaped. Pilgrim and Truthful ran as fast as they could back to the King's Highway, where they had first taken the detour. They paused long enough to scratch a warning onto the sign so that other pilgrims would know that the detour leads to death and despair. They also placed the key on top of the sign. I wonder if that will deter any other travelers and save them from the dangers we suffered. I hope so, replied Truthful, but I suspect that the dark night's domain must be traversed one way or the other. You have been listening to The New Pilgrim's Progress. The series is available in book format under the title The Seeker's Journey, a contemporary retelling of Pilgrim's Progress at Amazon.com. You can find my podcast at thedowelchrist.com. You can find my blog at marshalldavis.us. Join me next time for another episode of The New Pilgrim's Progress on the Dow of Christ.